Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1 and 2. As we preach part 1 this morning of heavenly healing. Now a lot of you know I've been chewing gum because it helps my throat. The last two days it hasn't helped my throat. So I, uh, today you see me up here with water. I've tried everything. Some of you will have some great ideas. And... Um, I'm glad they work for you because I've tried just about everything and it doesn't work for me. And so gum was working for a little while, but the last couple of days it just hasn't worked. I got this water up here uh, and you'd say, yeah, preacher, you're dry, aren't you? And uh, yeah, but it, the wife says it's from me sleeping with my mouth open. I always have my mouth open when I sleep and that's what it's from. And I said, it's my feminine side coming out. <coughs> I enjoy sleeping on the recliner, okay, so, uh, but, uh, so hopefully that'll be all right, but if I stop halfway through this and take a little swig of water, uh, it's because uh, I'm trying to keep things going here. All right, now, Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, and he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal. Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, do you realize its throne is singular? And it says that there in that, that second verse, uh, flowing out, or out of the first verse, should I say, out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. The Father and the Lamb. What did he say here on earth? I and my Father are one. And so we see them on that throne. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 3, I believe it is, he says, they shall sit with me on my throne. And there will be a time where those that have attained, uh, not salvation, they're already saved that are there, but serve the Lord. And they did righteously in this life as a Christian. And there'll be at points in which they're sitting there right with him. So what a great thing that is just to think about. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve matter of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Let me just insert before we go to the Lord in prayer. You say, wait a minute, now the tribulation's over, the millennium's over. Satan, the unsaved, all have been cast into the eternal lake of fire. There is no more sin. There's a new heaven and a new earth. So why is healing needed? And hopefully, uh, whether it's this morning or this evening, more likely this evening, we'll see a little bit more about that. So, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we look into your word this morning, and again, it's your word. And Father, no matter how well I could rightly divide it, if the Holy Spirit 
does not take it home to the heart, I know that I am far from having the ability to make the heart understand. So I pray that thy spirit would speak to every heart today in this auditorium, as well as those listening by either internet or, or radio. And if there is one who does not know that they died today, that heaven is their home, I pray that after the program or after the service is over and they're listening on radio, that they'll wait. And when it's followed up with a plan of salvation, just a little later, around 1230, I believe, but Lord, whenever it is, I pray that they would hear and receive Christ as Savior in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, we've been studying Psalms chapter 1. This is where this grows from. And as we was going through Psalms chapter 1, I got the verse 3. That it shall be like a river planted by the rivers of water. I could see how it related to Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And so, we see that the Bible is a unity. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, it tells us that no scripture is a private interpretation. You say, what in the world does that mean? It means that there is no contradiction between one scripture and another scripture. Now, every once in a while you'll find these guys that their life is consumed in trying to prove God, there's no God, or trying to uh, prove that the Bible does have error. And they'll find something that's different than what is written somewhere else. Hey, I see, I found it. They didn't find a contradiction. They've just proven they don't understand the, the Word of God and why cert certain things are written the way they're written. So, just understand there's no contradiction in the Word of God. And when you think there is, just understand, that's the devil trying to put that in your mind. When there's a teacher that stands and says there's a contradiction, that is a false teacher, a false prophet. The Word of God is 100% preserved. Men try to say other things, but it is preserved. And he said from this generation when it was written so. And that was written back in Psalms. In Psalms, he said from this generation, chapter 12. So, with that preservation in each generation, generations are on earth, but it's forever settled in heaven, Psalms 119. So, there is no error or contradiction in the Word of God. Now, in verse 2 of our text then, he spoke of the healing of the nations. Now, again, why is this? When everyone in heaven is saved, everyone on the new earth is saved, and the nations that uh, flow into it are saved, why the healing of the nations? Well, understand, the people that are saved, remember the Lord in the parable saying, hey, thou's been faithful, and that you'll be over ten cities. 
The other guy said, I hid mine in the ground. He says, okay, well, take from him the one and give to him that hath the ten. And so you'll see that this new earth, you have new earth, the new earth is populated. But they'll be bringing the glory that belongs to the Lord from that new earth into heaven. And there's a healing, but what does that mean? We'll get to that this evening. Trying to whet your appetite for that as well. Okay, but now let's go on. Uh, when you look at all of this, again, I've got to remind you that Satan in Revelation 20 has already been cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, as a matter of fact, let's turn over there. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. After Satan's been cast into the lake of fire, and listen as I read. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. Now I find that interesting because in chapter 6, when they see Christ coming at the end of the tribulation, the great men, the kings, and all those others are saying, stones, mountains, fall on us. Hide us from the face of Him. I, and I like it, the wrath of the Lamb. As a matter of fact, the Lamb is one of the uh, most often used names for Jesus Christ in heaven. The Lamb of God. That will always be precious to us. You know, it will always be precious to us now. Calling him the Lamb of God because he was the sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. I can have eternal life because he was the Lamb of God. It even uses the word in the Greek that means a pet lamb. It was his son, the pet lamb of God, given for us. What a blessing that is. But, he sits now on a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books, notice it's plural, books. Books were open, and another book, singular, was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Every deed, every thought, every evil thing, cheated on your spouse, you watched pornography, you stole, you lied, you deceived, you thought evil. Every absolute everything is recorded. Those who died without Christ because they were not cleansed of their sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Those that died without Christ went to that eternal lake of fire. Well, really, to a place called hell that we preached from uh, Psalms 22 about. But understand, now they're caught up to this great white throne. Death, separation from God forever in the lake of fire. That's what death means, separation. And so death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. Every person, those that have been held for the last 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 6,000 years, everyone that's been in hell will be caught up to that throne and then cast into the eternal lake of fire. Death and hell, those torments, all of that to go with it. And he says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. It is a righteous judgment, an absolute righteous judgment. And when they see all their works, according to all their works, and they see sitting on that white throne an all-holy God. They know they have no chance. It's too late. As the very second you die and leave this body, it's too late. Forever in that eternal lake of fire. And so death and hell were cast at the lake of fire. This is the second death, meaning there will never be another chance. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Do you realize that in the book of life, we're also told in another part about the overcomers, that he would not blot out their name out of the book of life. The overcomers being those who are saved. Why blot out? If that book of life is open for a reason. The day you were born, for sure, and really the day that you were conceived, your name was written in the book of life. God would give us the benefit of the doubt. And, and you live a whole life without receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment you died, that name is blotted out. That book is open. And you'll know beyond any shadow of the doubt, my name had been there, but it's been blotted out. That is so very real. Can you imagine the tears? And by the way, the Lord said he even left himself a witness in nature that there is God. And if we would seek him, he may be found. Man is not predestined to hell. He goes because he wants to get his own way there. But Christ 
is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man will come unto the Father but by him. Christ must be received. Now having seen that, that great white throne where all those that are unsaved is there. They're there. But there is another view of a throne upon which Christ sits. And it's found in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 3. And I want to read that one to you. And he that sat upon the throne, okay, was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. You say, well, preacher, why does it say like unto an emerald? And why does it say these things? Well, the sardine stone, you know, I've heard that said three ways now. Sardine, sardine. Scurvy said sardine. I said, man, he knows better than I do. And then I heard sardine. Uh, sardine. I just can't imagine looking at the throne of God and see sardines, okay? so, But, nonetheless, however you enunciate it, it is there, and it is a stone which is uh, green. It's a greenish stone. Whereas the emerald is one that is reddish. Green reminds us of evergreen, everlasting life about that throne because these are believers that are gathered about that throne now. And so we see that, but then we also see red, the blood payment, the precious blood of Christ that cleanses the way all sin. Cleansed by the blood, Revelation chapter 5 tells us. Those stones are so precious. The jasper stone has a bluish and yet some greenish tint to it. We think of a new heaven and a new earth a new blue sky with a greenish earth where now you have a heaven and an earth that is like the Lord wanted it when he created the heaven and the earth with Adam in that garden. Oh, if man had not sinned, he's viewing what he would have seen. And yet, with all of that, even with all of that, there is a change. That is, Jesus Christ is the Lamb. He's the light thereof, and there will be no need of the sun or the stars before He is the light of it. And you think of all those stones. Now, we're not going to read through Revelation chapter 21 right now, but 
all those precious stones of that foundation of the city. And that light that is seven times brighter than the sun, not hotter, brighter. Heaven's going to be comfortable. Seven times brighter than the sun. And can you imagine being on the new earth? And that seven times brighter shining through all those stones and the hue of those colors as you look up. Oh, what a beautiful place that's going to be. Oh, what a place. I hope that you know Christ is your Savior because that could be your home. That could be your home. And so, again, as we see that, it also has a rainbow round about the throne. In the sight like unto an emerald. Now, notice the rainbow. And that takes us back to the day of Noah. Remember after they come off the ark? And God has the rainbow. And as they look at that rainbow, it is the promise that he would never again destroy the earth by a flood of waters. Never again would it be destroyed that way, but it would be destroyed by fire at the end of the millennium. And Christ sets up his eternal kingdom where there's no sin, there's no sorrow. There's none of those things, not ever again. And so whereas that speaks of God's promise to someone who was saved from the judgment of the flood of waters, the this rainbow about the throne shows us the promise of everlasting life and sin's presence. You know, I can be saved from the power of sin now. You can. But sin's presence is still there. But oh, you can be saved. But notice, the great white throne has no judgment. Anyone who's at that judgment Anyone who's at that throne will be judged, as we just read in verses 11 through 15 of Revelation chapter 20. Before going into eternal punishment, you say, why in the world do they have a judgment then? If it's already decided that's where they're going to go, because those works are going to determine how bad hell's going to be for some. Hell's going to be worse for some than it is for others. Jesus said, he that knew not and committed things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few. He that uh, knew and did it, committed that, is worthy of many stripes, he'll get many stripes. In other words, his judgment will be worse, his eternal judgment will be worse than those that never heard. As they are tormented night and day in the lake of fire. But all oh, that white throne, everyone who is there, after seeing the works made manifest that everybody 
Look, you might hide things from people on earth, from the closest friends and everything that you have, but you will not hide it in eternity. Everyone who's ever lived will know. The great thing for the Christian, those things are washed away with the blood of Jesus Christ, but understand, there are sins that you can commit and things aren't made right with God and man. Those things will be revealed. We'll say more about that as we progress. But this white throne shows His holiness. God is holy. Everyone at the white throne judgment will realize when they see all the great holiness of God and His presence. Yes, they deserve to go to hell. Oh, there are religious teachers and there are people. I was reading something about a guy had been living with the same woman for, I think, about 20 years. Never married. And they said, why not get married? He says, we're together. Why? He says, we love each other. I'm not going to make a promise before a God who doesn't exist. But you know what? That guy's going to find out God does exist. He will find out. Now, I say that because no matter what men teach, well, if you do the best you can. Oh, God, I'll weigh my good against my bad. That won't get you to heaven. You see, Christians will appear at a judgment seat of Christ. But if you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, you're going to be at that white throne with absolutely everything exposed. Because nothing, nothing of your life, even when others know it, even when many know it, nothing of your life is under the blood of Jesus because you did not receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Sometimes I've seen those that say, pray this prayer and you'll be my brother or sister in Christ. Pray this prayer. Jesus died for you and rose from this. So just pray this prayer. Jesus come to my heart and save me. They're not entering to a relationship with Christ. They're getting them to say a prayer like hocus pocus. My friend, I'm not talking about what they call lordship salvation. Somebody gets saved and they, then they mess up and they say, oh, you must not have got saved because he's not lord in your life. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus is lord whether you allow him that, that lordship in your life or not. He's lord. You can be saved and as Demas, having loved this present world, forsake the ministry that God had him in, not lose his salvation, but he will lose his rewards and be ashamed at his appearing. And for the short earthly time that we walk on this earth, Will all the loss be worth eternity? 
that we don't have that which God wanted us to have. Think of that. And if you're saved here, I want you to understand this. You and I don't appear at this throne. We appear at preachers that like to wax eloquent say the bema seat. It's just a Greek word that means judgment. We appear at the judgment seat of Christ. It actually meant rewarding stand. And I like that. Because rewarding stand is where they would give those in the Greek games their awards for what they did. If they won, boy, it's a great award. I mean, if they won for their country, they didn't have to pay taxes <laughs> for the rest of their life. Man, I could outrun everybody uh, at that point. But, but you know, there were, there were rewards, great rewards. Some got a little thing, some got nothing. But hey, they participated. They were there. Kind of makes you think of heaven. But I just want to leave this with one thing because I'm going to continue this tonight. He says, for those that are at this judgment seat of Christ, this rewarding stand. And you think of, oh, what, what, what is going to be brought out? Let me tell you one thing, because you see, if you're saved, you're going to be up with the Lord. But I believe that you will witness the white throne judgment. I believe that you will see it completely. Every one. And so Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 8 and 9, and this is why I say it, it's not a philosophy, I believe that it's a truth and I believe that this shows it. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. If we're not there to witness it, how is it going to be required at our hand? Imagine the person God brought into your life, whether it was at work, whether it was in your home, whether it was in your neighborhood, and God had brought you to that person, you know they're not saved, and, or you at least think they're not saved, but you didn't want to witness because you thought that caused problems. Well, it does when you get to heaven. And imagine that person looking at you. Why would you let me go to hell? Why? I remember as a teenager going on bus ministry. I got started in the bus ministry and loved it. I saw some bad home situations, very bad. And I knew that the only chance for those 
boys and girls, was coming with us on that bus, hearing the gospel and being saved. And we've had them at this church. And when we moved up here, I got on the bus ministry. Back in the uh, 60s, we moved here in 67. I went away for a couple years. When I come back, we was in the bus ministry. I stayed in bus ministry until I went back to college. But I remember some of those situations. But I also remember some souls that got saved. I remember some of those kids that are now serving the Lord. Coming from the worst home situations. Now not everybody that rides a bus is in the worst home situation. But everybody does need to be saved. We have parents that are in church now that we first reached their children. So let me just say this to younger and middle-aged adults. Is letting boys and girls go to hell all right with you because it will interfere with your convenience to visit, get to church early, and then have to drive a bus home after church? and ride on it or monitor it whether I drive it or not. I don't want to go to problems of getting a license, a CDL. Look, we had a bus ministry when I first come here. At that time, it was running about 250. As soon as they came out with CDLs, we lost most of those bus workers. Was it worth letting souls to go to hell? Say, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you won't have to answer to me. You'll have to answer to the Lord. I'm just telling you, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. So I want to challenge you young adults, middle-aged adults. God still has given you health and life. See if he would use you. See if he would use you. And you might be the difference in a person going to heaven or hell. Oh, their blood on the hand. He says, nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and he do not turn away from it, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Doesn't mean it's delivered you from going to hell. It means that it's delivered you from the loss of reward, of shining as the stars forever, as that crown of rejoicing that God is going to give. And it means that those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. They may not get saved because they have a free will. But if you turn them to righteousness, you turn them the way of Christ, they've got a free will to reject it, but you've turned them the way of Christ, you'll shine as the stars forever. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. See, we don't go so winning, we go so warning. Christian, that's our task. Now, my friend... That sounds hard on Christians, but if you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, 
It's not near as hard as what it's going to be for you. Jesus died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He was buried. He rose from the dead three days later. He wants you to receive him as your God and Savior. Then he wants you to follow that. Get saved, follow it in baptism. After baptism, get in his word and let him lead you. That's his lordship. You let him lead you. He'll lead you if you'll let him because he'll give you his Holy Spirit. He gives you a Holy Spirit when you get saved. And he'll lead you through the word by his Holy Spirit. That involves his lordship in your life. Is the world or is Christ lording it in your life? Let's bow our heads.